Welcome to the Cider Nation Podcast, the unique baseball podcast. Brought to you by Jay Birdie Baseball Company. Get your Canadian baseball apparel at jbirdie.ca and make sure to follow them on social media. Today we have former AAA infielder and creator of Oppo Taco, Hung Cho. No, thanks for coming on. No, I appreciate you having me, Jeff. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about what sports looked like for you growing up? Oh man, sports. Uh, so I was a multi-sport athlete. Um, you know, I, I, uh, started playing baseball. Actually it was, it was called Burby where I grew up, like, because you would play two on two versus, you know, your friends and you used like the box, uh, spray painted box and a tennis ball and whatever could, you know, act as a bat at the time. Right. So, yeah, uh, that's kind of where I, uh, kind of learn baseball from. And, you know, I was a, a guy that ran track, you know, did, uh, played volleyball, basketball, whatever I can do. Didn't really have any particular sport that I was, um, I guess, uh, interested in, uh, pursuing, uh, and baseball kind of just, uh, fell into my lap, uh, eventually when I started, uh, being involved in more of the organizational, uh, baseball stuff. Right. Yeah. And then I guess kind of more specific, like with baseball, kind of what did that look like for you and kind of, you know, the college recruiting process and what did that look like for yourself? So coming up, uh, growing up in Canada, it, it was a little different, especially in the 90s, 2000s. Um, you know, yeah. it was a big deal if you're a baseball guy that got to play in the U.S., right? So I think yeah. uh, the baseball uh, dynamics were very different when we were growing up. It was such a big uh, pipe dream. Um, and nowadays it's kind of like, that's where I guess the standard kind of fell to. It's like, oh, of course I want to go to the US uh, for a scholarship. That's like nowadays, but before, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was totally different. So for me, being recruited in Canada was, was a very difficult thing to do. Um, you really didn't get the exposure uh, you needed to pretty much get seen. So uh, you had to make it an effort to kind of play uh, that role and get seen. So it's like as you uh, became uh, better, you started playing for like the governing bodies like Team Ontario and then uh, the junior national team. And I think that's where, you know, my exposure started taking place because nobody wants to go see a kid in, you know, in in, in Canada in the 90s uh, in terms <laughs> of baseball. Right. They have. They have uh, a, a lot of options uh, south of the border. So uh, you really have to stand out and um, separate yourself. And yeah, that was uh, that was quite the experience coming from, you know, being a Canadian and, and growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, trying to get exposure uh, for baseball. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of where we crossed paths on that junior national team in in '99, right. and it definitely like looking back at it, like the recruiting process is is completely different. Hey, like, right. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember uh, like it was yesterday, and that's that's the beauty of baseball. You know, it, everything happened so quick, and I remember yeah. we were in Tucson, Arizona, um, yep. and it was about 45 degrees out outside, and we we're playing baseball every day take a little break from one to three because of the 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 heat and then yeah. we'd we'd, we'd uh, practice mornings and play at play in the evenings and we did that for for about a month so yeah <laughs> and those are those are the perfect opportunities at least for us to get seen because we're playing against you know junior colleges you know division one schools that you know it, it gives a good um, kind of like uh like uh a gauging base of these coaches could actually see you uh, versus kind of like the competition right so uh it it was definitely uh a catalyst for me at least um you know to get that scholarship uh to the university of houston yeah definitely it was also kind of good for me just to kind of see where i stood right and getting to face some right. of those leaders like the you know the u.s junior national team guys and i know we played like the u.s college you know seeing you know seeing summer team whatever that 
who we kind of did sure. there and definitely and they were good. gave me there confidence, like, right? Like, like Mark Pryor. Sutley, <laughs> Pryor, like, yeah, and that, that's where it's, you stack up against exactly. And you realize, hey, I can play a bit, right? I'm not, I'm not too far off. So, yeah. Um, and then kind of moving forward there, like, what did your college career look like? You know, I had I had the best time in, in college, to be honest. Like, if, if yep. you were to say, what's your favorite experience of your career? I would say, you know, college baseball was a blast for me. I was fortunate enough to, you know, play as a freshman at the University of Houston. So pretty uh, decent baseball program. We played, uh, we were a top 25 team uh, uh, two out of three years that I was there. And we've, nice. uh, we were able to have uh, regional and super regional experiences in those uh, three years. So, um, you know, I grew, I had to grow up really quick. We'll, we'll say that that was, uh, that was something that, you know, I was as an 18 year old kid, just coming off a uh, ACL surgery, I was out for about 10 months, you know, in, in, in my senior year in high school. And, you know, it was just like the complete uh, off season. I, I was rehabbing and, you know, I was put into the fire, you know, Feb, Feb one, uh, when we started our college season, right off surgery, right off, uh, you know, 17, last 17 years old was when I last played baseball before that. Right. So it was a very unique experience coming, uh, from, you know, Canada, uh, getting to start as a freshman, as a true freshman. And, you know, I had a, I had a pretty good college career, I'd say, uh, that led me, uh, to other opportunities in baseball for sure. Yeah, and then you ended up signing with the Mariners there, um, you know, for a couple of years there. How was kind of your grind in the minors there? You know what? Believe it or not, I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it was it was the polar opposite of my experience at uh, Houston. And, yeah, okay. you know, my, my love and passion for the game actually died because of professional baseball. Because, you know, I wasn't mentally prepared for what, how the, the I guess, the macroeconomics of baseball, um, you know, occurred and you know i was a young kid that you know had the illusion of you know what i know what i can do essentially and i know i have the talent to play professional baseball but then as soon as you're in that position it has nothing to do with really um kind of like uh uh what you've done in the past it's like okay it's it, it depends on roster spots it depends on signing bonuses who's priority it, it depends on you know things that happen in the in, in the big leagues that trickle down and then your role as that whole uh player in terms of where you fit in into the whole organization right so you become instantly put into uh a corporate business structure right and where you fit in is just really a number and I'm not saying that that's um kind of like uh, how it is with everyone but uh with yeah. a lot of people that's that's the case right so you go from an atmosphere of winning is everything that's it to basically you know okay everybody's out there on their own and trying to you know uh compete and make make it to the big leagues but you know um it's it's the most individual sport i've ever experienced in baseball um as a team sport right so i kind of lost the uh, interest in baseball and kind of left the game after professional baseball, unfortunately. Uh, but with that said, there, there has been amazing uh, experiences in professional baseball that I'm grateful for, uh, such as, you know, the, uh, the friends, uh, the networks to this day that I still have uh, great relationships with. So uh, with every, you know, bad, uh, there's always good too. You know, uh, I learned a lot in professional baseball from the baseball side. So just uh, giving me uh, additional perspective on how the game is played at the, every single level was probably the most insightful thing for me, uh, for my future self, at least getting into, you know, coaching and development. Yeah. And then afterwards, kind of, you know, what did it look like kind of getting into coaching there? You said, did you, did you take some time off of baseball? So, did you so believe get it or coaching? not, like um, I, I ended up playing for uh, a Brantford Red Sox. So I retired from professional baseball in 06 and I vowed to myself, I'm never going to play baseball. I, I don't like the sport anymore. And I had that yeah. kind of like bitterness uh, that uh, I tried running away from the game, to be honest. And uh, yeah. I remember uh, a guy by the name of Lee Delfino. He's a, he's a popular, uh, you know, ex-pro uh, yeah. guy here, he was uh, committed to playing on this uh, local semi-pro team called Brantford in the IBL. And, you know, I, I, I initially rejected the offer uh, because uh, uh, Rick Johnson, so Rick Johnson's another uh, coach 
uh, he kind of was involved with, with the whole Brantford. So Lee and Rick basically pushed me into kind of playing, saying, trust me, man, we understand it's different from, you know, professional baseball. And at that point I was checked out, but they were offering me a paycheck, right? So the owner, Paula Coyne, uh, basically, you know, built that team. And, you know, it was, a, it, was, it was a way that I could still play baseball. I had a job at the time. I needed to pay the bills. So it was a good fit uh, and nothing more than that, uh, to be honest. And then, you know, uh, and we struggled like it was uh, it wasn't a great season uh, at the beginning. I think we were 500 midseason. And then, you know, we made some moves uh, that we need to fill some holes. And, you know, uh, I I started seeing old teammates like Josh McCurdy and John Ogletree, Brett Gray, all these new new guys that started coming in. Uh, I started, uh, you know, enjoying baseball a little more. And then long story short, you know, we, we ended up winning a championship that season in 06. And, you know, it was awesome. We, we got to play in front of, you know, two, 3,000 fans a night. You know, nice. the place was bumping. Atmosphere was there. It kind of reminded me of college baseball. You had a lot of guys that were mature, so knew the game. It wasn't like it was, uh, you know, um, a bad baseball by any means. You had, you know, former big leaguers uh, playing in. You had minor leaguers, a lot of collegiate guys. So the league was uh, pretty competitive. And um, what happened after that was uh, I ended up coming back for another year, which we lost in a game seven to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and that's uh, it's actually that famous uh, Lee Delfino bat flip uh, was from from that game off uh, Paul Skolderic. I'm sure that thing went viral a couple of times. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that was that game. Uh, actually, we went back to back off Skolderic and we ended up losing game seven. And uh, we we then vowed to say, okay, we need to come back another year. And then from 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013, we ended up winning seven championships in a row. Oh, wow. Fell in love with baseball again. Um, yeah. Fell in love with winning, to be honest, is that competitive nature, right? And uh, yeah, so we ended up winning a lot of championships in Brantford. And during that time, Greg Hamilton asked me, you know, what my thoughts were with coaching. Uh, so I never coached ever. I was still a player. And this was back in 2010, uh, right before I retired from um, Brantford, I ended up uh, getting uh, into coaching and I co was coaching the junior national team. So the 18 under uh, national team as my first coaching gig, didn't know what I was doing, to be honest, the game was so quick uh, because we were playing minor leaguers at the time. Uh, so professional baseball, and, you know, the, the game from third base, uh, the third base coach's box was was very different. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's how I ended up getting into coaching. Um, and, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of like the story behind the transition from baseball to coaching. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely I've heard a lot about the inner county league and I got some buddies that went out there and like, you know, like even right now, like playing senior men's, like I'll kind of play once in a while, but it's just not quite the same. Right. And right. Um, but definitely I've heard like the intercounty league, right. It's kind of that happy medium where you can play, but it's, you know, it's still competitive and, you know, guys are getting right. paid, but it's not necessarily like playing indie ball. Right. Or hundred percent. And I think that's, what's missing. You know, we have this illusion of, you know, if, if it ain't the major leagues, it's nothing. If it ain't the minor leagues, it ain't anything. If it ain't college, it ain't anything. It's like, no, there needs to be more options. There's not enough leagues yeah. that people can, you know, play. If you could play in the inner county, you know, there's a need for that, you know, and baseball is bigger than just making it to a status or somewhere. Right. And that's, I think, the false illusion that, you know, yeah. we as a whole community have. We think that baseball is just an end goal. Really, it's like I want to make the major leagues or I want to make the minor leagues. I think we have to start thinking, hey, there's there's leagues for everyone and we need to build those leagues stronger and make it sustainable so that we could continue to enjoy baseball as an adult. You know, whether it's a men's league, a senior league, you know, whether it's an inter-county league for more competitive leagues, as as we build those leagues with good sustainability, I think we're doing the community of baseball justice by you know, creating avenues of, you know what, like I'm, I'm 41 years old. I still play in a, a men's league, you know, every week we have playoffs right now. I'm competing. I'm freaking, nice. you know, I'm, I'm taking out a runner if I have to, right? <laughs> so, like it, it's still in, in us and it gives options for us to continue that, you know, passion for baseball. 
Yeah, I played a little bit this summer, and I pulled a hammy, and then I rolled the inside of my ankle. So I think I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm dealing with men's like... league. You're on the men's league DL. That's day to day. Yeah, I, but I think I'm starting to realize like it just every time I try and play, I get hurt. So I think I'm just going to stick to the coaching side, and <laughs> my body's going to thank me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Like any thoughts there, like, you know, like the Canadian baseball league, like I got asked to play in it, but I still had one more year of college and then kind of glad I didn't after it folded kind of halfway through, but like right. any thoughts on like, you know, like it's kind of like, you know, I played baseball over the world and every country kind of has their own league, but like as Canada, I guess like the inter-county league would kind of be the top league. Right. But right. any thoughts on that? I like, like I said, I think, I think there's a huge demand right now, just being part of, uh, you know, baseball development in general and just kind of what's out there. You know, I've been, I've been in the thick, thick and thins, you know, for the last, you know, 35 plus years in terms of development. So, you know, yeah. I see, you know, professional Canadian baseball as kind of like the, the, the top tier, um, avenue of baseball or offering that, you know, we have. But the problem is, you know, we don't have, uh, because at the end of the day, everything is run through um, capitalism, business, right? Yep. So it's like if yep. if we can't create sustainability within those leagues, they won't exist like the Canadian Baseball League, for instance, right? So yep. you have to have the right leaders in place, in my opinion, to really take on uh, that challenge of developing the professional leagues of Canadian baseball. I think there's a huge demand. And that's part of like my journey, for instance, is to create sustainability in professional Canadian leagues, because um, in terms of development for Canadian baseball, what happens is, you know, these guys leave um, uh, uh, to go to college baseball in the U.S. or professional baseball in the U.S., which is fine, but we don't really retain them. You know, half of the guys that we kind of send out, they end up getting married in the U.S. and, you know, we end up losing yeah. those guys they're the best guys that we have to offer and they're going and they're not returning home so for us we have to create a, a better incentive for like even canadian colleges to give out scholarships uh to to retain these you know players that we have a better option a cheaper option a more efficient option in in the canadian collegiate league and also you know options for uh canadian professional leagues and uh, the way you do that is you you have to create sustainability through revenue streams, right? So it's um, it's a conversation that I think is 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 a is a big one, but I think there's a dire need, um, at least in Canadian baseball, to really patch up that hole where we're not retaining our players, and those players usually are the ones that are coaching our future generation. So it goes hand in hand with you know Canadian professional baseball with you know, our future development and our structure of way, the way we're developing. Yeah, I was the head coach at the University of Calgary for three years, and it was kind of interesting just to see, you know, the CCBC and kind of get to know, you know, college baseball in Canada. And the the fees part, I kind of struggled with and like kind of collecting right. fees from players. And it was kind of always kind of that tricky battle of like, you know, couldn't necessarily cut anyone because we needed For their sure. fees. And, um, <laughs> which which is an ugly recipe, right? That's an ugly recipe. Because <laughs> then, then you could buy your way into talent, right? It's yeah. like at that level, you need, you need the, the people that deserve to be there and they, they, need, to, they need to basically earn it, yeah. right? From a baseball standpoint, this is how you create a competitive kind of like environment, right? So... Yeah. And, you know, definitely cool to see, you know, like the University of British Columbia and um, kind of what they've been doing. And, uh, you know, obviously like the Prairie Baseball Academy. And I, I don't yeah. know too much about, you know, the college leagues out east, um, but it's definitely it sounds like it's, you know, looks like it's growing. Right. There's definitely programs. 100%. There. I think I think it's growing more and more here. I see it. I see a lot more. Uh, I, I think Seneca was having a workout. They're a local collegiate uh, okay. like a. Um, uh, OCAA, so yep. um, kind of like your junior college here, and they had fifty guys at their workouts. So okay. I don't think it. I don't think it. That's ever happened, or at least I've never seen. You know that many people kind of uh, hang around, try to get a roster spot on a on a local college because, and that I think that it, it goes hand in hand with uh, the internet, the way we're living as a society. You know, we're talking about uh, communication. That that's that's the whole point of internet. We're all communicated now, so a lot more people are coming out uh, wanting to play baseball at any level, 
right? And they know that they might not go to the U.S. on a scholarship, right? Which is fine. And that's that. That's what I'm talking about. The illusion of Absolutely. scholarships and professional baseball in the U.S. needs to change. That shouldn't be our end goal. That should just be a byproduct of our talent, right? And we should open up avenues where we could enjoy baseball at the level that we're able to push ourselves, right? So I think that's the perfect example of kind of like investing in that Canadian collegiate, you know, league. And you're right. You shouldn't have the players having to, you know, pay their way or not necessarily pay their way because I know that's not their intention. But somebody needs to, uh, you know, uh, collect money to budget whatever expenses occur. Otherwise, you won't have a team. And this is what I was talking about in terms of sustainability and longevity is you need guys that can you know bring in elements of revenue stream that create those sustainability levels that now you could build the program right so it's like having uh, uh leaders in the community especially guys with baseball background and business background that can you know create those sustainability issues yeah and it's definitely you know the leagues out west here like the western canadian baseball league and the west coast league like both of those seem to be growing and kind of getting bigger and um kind of good to see um right but yeah like i said just kind of interesting not to necessarily have like a i guess a canadian baseball league in in canada but some very We're valid working on it. it yeah no very well yeah <laughs> 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 and then you know like kind of oppo taco there like kind of how did that all come about so oppo taco i've uh i started it way back in 2009 i kind of you know yeah. left the corporate world i i decided I'd, i never want to work for anybody ever again i'm only going to work for myself so yep. it was very ambitious at the time i was young naive um but i'm glad i kind of took that leap and we we kind of um started um as a clothing brand and it was the same thing as you sell, you have to create new clothes and clothes and then you have to market and sell. And it's always a chase. It's always a grind. But, you know, we've uh, since pivoted um, uh, out of apparel and, uh, you know, we've started to focus more on media related stuff, content related stuff uh, and, you know, become of value for the baseball community. And uh, I'm using basically the Internet and digital marketing to uh, create something that will create a, a solution to the problems you know and that as an entrepreneur that's what i've learned it's not about selling a product it's not never about making money it's all about if you want to be a successful entrepreneur you have to create solutions to problems and um you know i've always had an interesting pr- perspective as a player and a coach now you know coaching you know uh, the highest level of amateur baseball in Canada from the junior national team and what I've seen as a player. So when I get players, the fact that we don't have, um, you know, uh, uh, players that know cuts and relays properly or p- proper pop-up priorities or bunt defenses, it, yeah. it, it tells me that there's, there's an issue with our grassroots development, right? Maybe the resources isn't enough. So I'm able to spin off Apple taco as a media company and get attention, which you know, in this day and age, the digital age is all about attention, which is the marketing in itself. But then um, I've created a, a, a digital product that I could replicate knowledge, you know, and create um, an online curriculum that I could coach coaches in masses now. Right. Nice. And that's uh, that's kind of like where my focus and energy is, is to create, yeah. um, you know, scale a scalable business that could create. Uh, revenue streams that I could reinvest back into our development system and, you know, where I see and, and a lot of people won't see this problem that I'm addressing is because, you know, they've, they haven't lived a, a life in my shoe, for instance, and what I see, right? It's like, if I have junior national team players that don't know the fundamentals of the game, something is wrong, Absolutely. right? And as you audit those issues, you realize, you know what? It's, it's our whole development system that needs, you know, um, a, a refocus. And because we're so data-driven in, in this world today, everybody thinks that, one, they need a scholarship or play professional baseball to the U.S. You know, that that illusion, I think, needs to go and re- redirect that, right? And then, you know, also 
um, the way we coach. It's like if if we're coaching, it's like think of why baseball is valuable to you. For instance, Jeff, you've played the game a long time. You've been around a long time. And you know that it's taught you to deal with adversity. It has taught you to deal with, you know, failure. It has uh, taught you to, you know, work as a team. It has taught you many valuable lessons that are, um, you know, applicable to life and winning in life. And to me, that's the most important thing that we must teach our future generation of of young athletes is is that kind of like mindset of, you know, there's more value to baseball than getting somewhere or accomplishing something. You know, it's the values that you learn from baseball. And I think, you know, really teaching that grassroots level, those volunteer dads that, you know, spend hours, you know, coaching our kids. Uh, and like I said, they're awesome. You know, the volunteer dads are, are very needed. You need them. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. But we just need a, an efficient way to provide those resources. So going back to Apple Taco yeah, and yeah. the product OTU Baseball that I've created is that um, kind of like solution that I'm trying to bring uh, forth. Uh, in terms of the problem that I see. No, I like it. It's a great idea. And like, I've always kind of struggled. Like I actually don't have my NCCP and (laughs) I don't know. I've always kind of just maybe struggle with that part of it. And, you know, maybe just some of the guys teaching it and, um, you know, but at the same time, like I just, I found it was really boring as well. Right. And like, just, yeah. I I mean, I'm, I, 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 I have to watch what I say, um, my involvement, but yeah, I agree. I think there's, but with that, there's, there's perspectives, right? It's like, okay, that's what's out there right now. And that's, what's like uh, teaching our coaches. So it's like uh, with that, you know, without that, you won't know. Right. So um, we're all doing this as, you know, uh, a unit at the end of the day, Um, you know, that, that served the purpose in the last 20 plus years for development. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, but times have changed, right? So it's, it's all about evolution. It's all about growth and it's all about learning from your past and creating a, a better future. Right. Yep. And then basically like, that's kind of brand new there. Like that's kind of just recently launched. No, we were actually still in post-production. Still, so okay. we, we filmed, yeah, we filmed the whole curriculum, including uh, uh, behind the scenes of how I created the curriculum. Okay. So we we launched our YouTube series on that, which uh, kind of serves that our, as our organic marketing. You know, I've I've done my pitch and presentation a million times to uh, people, investors to to kind of get this launched. So it's a good way of explaining what I'm creating, you know, and that that's that's going back to, you know, using the digital side of things, the technology side of things to really, um, you know, help you expedite processes. So for me, I've replicated myself on the digital side by filming the whole behind the scenes, because now I'm talking about the why I did it, the problems that I see, and then how I'm doing it, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, where we're doing it, all that is kind of like, um, I guess replicated now through a digital meme, right? And I'm able to now explain myself without having that time. And it's the same thing as an online curriculum. If I'm in, let's just say, let's just say we go to Dubai because Baseball United, it's a new league. Yeah. Their best interest is trying to grow the game of baseball because they see why is, uh, um, you know, baseball not an option in the Middle East? And they realize, you know what, the sport itself has been run by U.S. corporations. So it's always been driven by kind of like the Western part of the world. Right. But you go to Japan, you go to Korea, you go to all these other countries where baseball is a huge hot developing sport. So you take a, a, a league like Baseball United, for example, and they're trying to grow the game. It's like, wait a minute, I have a product that could potentially expedite that process. So I, if I go to Dubai and I try to hosting a coach's clinic and I have a thousand guys there, I probably have to do it over a three day period. I have to probably get about 10 coaches in and we have to present for nine hours a day for the next three days to basically <laughs> see if they could get the basis of baseball, right? That's the current option. Yep. But if I have a replicated curriculum, I could take 10,000 coaches Throughout the year, I could teach them the fundamentals of baseball, onboard newcomers to baseball in masses, 
right? And this is where the scalability totally changes with this, this product, right? So that's kind of where uh, this product's value yeah. lies is, is the ability to grow the game and onboard newcomers. Um, and that includes volunteer dads, right? Is like, hey, if you have a kid and he's six years old and you don't know anything about baseball, I got you. I have a product that will onboard you. At least you could point them in the right direction. As we do that as a whole, you know, you start growing the game properly, right? Where it becomes a generational where we've learned proper fundamentals of baseball and the art of baseball, the art of the game isn't dying, right? So that's kind of what we've created. And uh, we're using the digital means to kind of like uh, uh, market the product. Yeah, it's a very smart idea and uh, very, yeah, smart concept. And yeah, look forward to kind of seeing, seeing that grow. Awesome. I appreciate the support for sure. Yeah, we kind of I'm curious to see like kind of how that league's gonna go out in uh you know whatever Dubai or the baseball united league. We'll see. <laughs> you know, you know, I I say I say it like you 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 see what happens in Canadian baseball, uh yeah. the professional league, it, it 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 folded and other countries struggle. You know, Australia has a strong, you know, yeah. uh, professional baseball league, Japan has strong KBO has and it's all because it's done properly at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, whether to what magnitude, that's a different story, but it all falls down to not saying money is everything, but money is sustainability. It yep. is creating a way to create more revenue, right? So that uh, you could hire the right talent. So I think, I think they're going to do really well, to be honest, because the guy involved seems to know what he's doing. They have digital media capabilities, plus they have ex-major leaguers that are uh, basically um, uh, supporting this thing. So it's a yep. matter of getting the funds available to recruit the talent, which I, I'll tell you, there's a lot of lot of talent, talented baseball players that aren't playing in minor league baseball, even collegiate baseball. There's no option for them, right? So there, there needs to be more of these leagues. And as they fill up talent, you know, they will draw the crowds. As yep. they draw the crowds, they will generate more wealth. And as they do that, that option in the Middle East, the option in Asia, you know, there's different options other than the Western culture of baseball, right? So I think I think it will it will it will take time. There's a lot of steps that needs to to happen, but I I, I really like it because somebody has to do it. And this is this is where we could potentially work in conjunction because they have a problem and I have a solution, right? So nice. Well, did you ever like in your career, like, or, you know, did you have any thoughts about playing in Asia at all or? You know, I had the opportunity to play in Korea as well. Um, But for me, I would be an import there, right? Uh Even though I'm Korean, right? So if you're an import, it it becomes very difficult because they only have so many imports and you got to have a thicker resume, right? So I would, it, it would be a lot tougher for me to play internationally. I don't think I could, like, it's not the lack of talent. Definitely. I know that I could have played there and, um, you know, I went the minor league route at the end of the day. So it was, uh, it was something that, you know, um, you know, I, I, I love because it was an opportunity that I would have loved to take to just to learn international baseball and the way they do it. But I got that from coaching uh, internationally and globally, uh, you know, the way they play baseball, their style of baseball. And to be honest, that's another reason why I pushed OTU a bit is because when you face Japan or Korea, I'm telling you, they, they know what bunt defense is. They know how to defend. (laughs) They know how to play the right way. They know, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't, they know the game. Yeah. And this is what I'm talking about. You, You see the world baseball classic now. The tables have shifted. Yep. Right. It's not like we're running that show. Not, yep. not the Western part. Not well, even the Latin part. Right. Like it's it's like we have to now, you know, respond by yep. fixing our systems. Right. So. Yeah, I coached a couple times at the Ripken World Series, and uh, you know, playing against like Japan and Korea, and you know, like their infield outfield is like a performance, and you know, like right. a couple of times we had to do ours afterwards, and it just I like, <laughs> like yeah. they, they clearly had, had practiced theirs like a little bit more than we did. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
but very, yeah, very disciplined teams. And, and just actually, honestly, like the barrel control that they had, like some of these young players, it was like very impressive, like, you know, right. not laying off pitches and, you know, like just it's, very, and very you, know, you know what it's part of too. It's, it's, it's teaching concepts. Yeah. We don't do that. We don't yeah. teach concepts. Yeah. We teach, this is, this is what you should do. Yeah. And then the, there's no concept behind it. Whereas like, let's just say you talk about barrel control, right? If you, if you talk about the concept of barrel control, what you're trying to execute, right? This is what they understand. They teach concepts over there. They have a reason why they're doing it and they do it with intention. Whereas us, we have a showcase world, right? <laughs> how hard you could throw, how fast you could <laughs> run. Then it's all about rankings and profiles. Yeah. And then you go to college baseball and then you realize college baseball is all about winning. <laughs> and then you, you can't, you don't know how to win. You don't know how to play. You don't know how to play the game properly. It's very right? true. So, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of been interesting to see like the whole, yeah. Like some of the social media videos and guys doing their pull downs. And I guess that's where sometimes I struggle with, like, I, I you know, I still want to see it off the mound. Right. And like, you know, like, <laughs> Or, you know, you can post a video of your bullpen, but I still need to see it in a game, right? Or can you get hit? Right. And I think a lot of kids struggle with that. Right. And I, I don't think it's it's necessarily bad. You need all those. Still yeah. Because that Absolutely. technology is key because now you're starting to see stuff that you've never seen. Or maybe it's 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 great data that's yep. giving you feedback, right? Um, and I'm not saying that that side is bad. It's just that's just one side of it. Yes. Right. So it's like you have to use that in conjunction with baseball knowledge and education to be able to, you know, um, you know, become that complete player. Right. Yeah. Because the reality is college baseball, it's all about winning, all oh. about winning, because the head coach's job is on the line yeah. and he gets paid a lot of money to win. Right? Yeah. So if he ain't yeah. winning, he's going to find the players that are going to win. Yeah. And, and, and sorry, backtrack, because I don't want to now you know, um, uh, motivate. There's a different issue in, in, in travel ball where it's all about trophies. That's mm. a different type of winning. Yeah. That's not, that's not the type of winning that will win you collegiate baseball. No. So there's, there's travel ball baseball where coaches just do anything, whatever they can do to win. That's not winning. No, that's, that's, that's another problem of, development in baseball and that's a whole different avenue we're, we're, yeah. we're talking a whole different avenue but i just want to be clear that's not the same winning i'm talking about in college the way yeah. you win in college is you have to be disciplined enough to be able to work out in college and and play at that level and endure the workouts endure the discipline you have to know the game where you're not making any mental mistakes because baseball at its finest level has zero errors and zero mental mistakes and it's a clean two nothing ball game and it's a quick one hour and 45 minutes, that's that's the ideal baseball, yeah. right? So you have to be able to play at that speed, right? And at that level. So it's all about winning at the collegiate level is all about being a, a complete player, developing as a complete player and being to work as a team to accomplish one goal. That's what winning is, not the trophy chasing. I just want to be clear with that. No, that's a good point, right? And just, you know, you see a lot of some, unfortunately, some of the travel ball where, you know, like just pitchers throwing way too many pitches and just burning out and like. For sure. It's a yeah, joke. It's, it's tough to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But well, I, think, I think with problems, you know, with those problems, this is where, you know, the good can come out of it, right? It's like, okay, yep. that's what's out there. What can we do about it now? Yep. All right. Yep. And then, you know, I want to ask you, you kind of touched on a little bit there, like from a, you know, an infielder's perspective, you know, like what's your advice, like, for, you know, to pitchers listening, you know, like, obviously, you know, I try and tell guys, you know, we want to, you know, work quick, but you know, like, like any advice, like, what are you looking for as an infielder out of your pitchers? Oh man, I'll tell you something. The dynamics of infielding changes so much when pitchers don't throw strikes. Yeah. That, yeah right. That's yeah. And also <laughs> I would say, the running game is so important that pitchers don't understand. Like you, you have to, you could, you don't have to have the best move. You don't have to be the quickest. You don't have to throw the hardest, no. but you could control the running game by varying your looks, by varying your, your, your times to the plate, you know, um, and start really playing that game because what happens is if somebody's always a one, five, one, six 
And I'm telling you, <laughs> they're going to get, ex- we, we're, we're never going to be able to turn a double play. We're always no. fielding with runners in scoring position, which I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to field when nobody's on or a runner on first than, you know, runners in scoring position, right? You're yeah. out of position. Sometimes you're holding runners over, you have multiple things to do. So for me, you know, those strikes are super important and controlling the running game, um, not by necessarily being quick to the plate. Mm. You know, you could still be a one five by varying your looks, messing with, you know, the base runner's timing. And it, it all depends on the the level you're playing at, but at the highest level, or at least a, a level where it's respectable baseball, that's what you're looking to do. Right. And, yeah. you know, um, I will say this to pitchers. It's not, it's not easy playing on the fields that these kids play at. Right. So we, we teach our infielders that, you know, uh, you're going to get bad hops constantly. So sometimes you can't control the hops, but it becomes a, a battle game. If, if, you know, you start booting the ball, your mental fortitude goes down the drain. It's so tough to now want that ground ball. So that's kind of like the reality of every infielder. You ask any infielder, that's the fear they had. It's not like you're playing on collegiate major league diamonds where it's groomed and you get the candy hops like you've trained in, <laughs> inside, right? The reality is it's like, man, you gotta, it's, it's not easy, right? So, um, you know, working quick, throwing strikes, you know, being uh, positive, staying communicated with your infielders. I think that's uh, that's key for for pitchers and infielders relationships for sure. Yeah, and kind of working together too, right? And like, you know, even whatever, I was always trying to, you know, if an infielder did make an error behind me, you know, like, hey, I've got you another one, right? And like right. that relationship. That's huge. Yeah. That's massive, you know? And like, I've, I've seen it, see it sometimes in men's league because, you know, you, there's a lot of snowball fights there. Like, no. balls, <laughs> go, balls going everywhere, right? And you see you see the, the pitcher break down. He's like, he's yeah. like dropping F-bombs, but then next pitch, He's he's rattled because he his yeah. his focus is not where it needs to be right and uh you know that's the perfect example of how everything can fall and not work to the pitcher's benefit if you don't have that positive mindset of hey you know what I got you this time it's coming again you know let yeah. let's let's get a ground ball let's turn this double play and as a pitcher does that it brings that confidence into that infielder as well so that's huge. And definitely, like, hopefully that's where they're going to want to, you know, play behind you, right? Like, if you're going to be kind of a douchebag on the mound and kind of show up some of your players, like, I definitely don't think they're going to necessarily go all out for you, no? I mean- 100%. Nobody <laughs> wants to, right? It's like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good, right? <laughs> that's what you don't want, right, in baseball. No. That's that's so divisible as a team. Yeah. Like, it's just, and it starts with the 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 mental the mental energy, right? The, the energy yeah. that you're bringing to the table, so... And then, you know, this being sidearm nation there, did you have any teammates that were sidearm submarine pitchers or? Of course, we got the famous John Ogletree, <laughs> yeah. you know, you might, you might need it. You might know him. Uh, yeah. He's a Canadian guy. Um, I've, I faced a, a, quite a few sidearm guys. I've, I've usually hated it to be honest. Um, but <laughs> because Korea, like I'm, I'm, I'm Korean. So yeah. I've, I've faced a lot of Koreans that, you know, just that's, that's what they teach out there um, to a lot of their guys too. Right. Or at least a lot of their pitchers can yeah. uh, drop. I naturally can drop, you know, and um, you know, it's just a, yeah. Like for me, uh, Ogletree was a, was a teammate for years. So he's, he, he comes to mind for sure. Um, <laughs> he was, he was nasty at one point where he was uh you know, he was scraping, scraping the ground when he was pitching double A with the Jays. He was their closer in double A um, and team, a, a bunch of Team Canada since. But yeah, my approach to sidearm guys, I, I have to be inside out. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the angle that comes in is just so difficult. It's such a different angle that you can't you can't be pull happy with with, with sidearm guys for sure. Well, and then, you know, I guess I was going to ask you too, like, why, why do you think, is it more, uh, you know, you see more, you know, in Asia, right? Like, why do you see more sidearm submarine pitchers there? I think, uh, their, their, their focus isn't velocity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's more of a baseball is a craft, right? But what, this is where technology kind of plays in a negative way. If you're looking at from a business standpoint, like MLB and you have the technology to, play the fastest game in the world. So now I, now everybody in the big league seems to be throwing a hundred, 
right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Running, running quicker. You have all these metrics of exit velocity, you know? So everything is dictated around the speed of the game Yeah. in Western part. Yeah. Right. So you're trying to it create the fastest, is. fastest game. Right. And rightfully so, if you're looking at it from a sheer profit perspective, you have to, and I'm not saying I'm not siding with them. I'm just saying that's the realities of one side of the business. Mm-hmm. But then if you see true baseball, they don't care about that necessarily. Mm. Right. They care about getting outs getting and outs, winning. Yep. Yep. And being able to defend any offensive threat. So that's what it is. It's it's to the to the Asian countries, it really doesn't matter if 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 a guy drops down and is throwing 78 to 80, right? Yep. Because for me, that's effective. I'm telling you, that's very effective, especially if you have, you know, a, a righty that's uh, maybe you know 90 to 94, and then you you face a one at bat where it's a lefty that's you know 85, 87 with a good change, and then you bring in a freaking sidearm guy that's uh, uh, you know throwing you know 78 heavy, right? And then and then you have a closer now throwing 95 or something like as a hitter, like <laughs> that's what I hate the most. It's like that's impossible to get rhythm and timing off people. So to me, it's, it's a very effective way if you use it effectively, <laughs> it all depends on, you know, what, uh, who's, who's, who's the captain of the ship right, at the end of the day and how they use, use that effectively. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, I know that, yeah, like you said, the game is going below, right? I mean, is what it is, but there's always going to be a need for guys to be kind of funky in the bullpen for sure. Hundred percent, man. I'm telling you, I hate, I hate, I don't mind lefty sidearm guys. <laughs> yeah, honest, no, I'm a right, right-handed hitter. Yeah, no, to be honest, but like the righty on righty, I just, but I'm used to it now. Like that's what I, that's saying. I've seen enough that I have, I have a solid approach against them. At least where I'm not getting defeated. Like, oh crap, you know, here's <laughs> here's here's a sidearm guy. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, something that uh, is effective and. Like I said, it, it goes back to as more leagues are generated, you're going to yep. see more of this. There's going to be more opportunities. So, yeah, 100%. We're just based on what's available in, in kind of like our culture today. But I think baseball as a whole is going to change. It's going to become a global sport. There's going to be more opportunities as we grow sustainable revenues. Um, and, yeah, that means more opportunity for sidearm pitchers for sure. And then, you know, just from like a fielding perspective, like how important is it for, you know, like you teach infielders just to throw for multiple arm slots? Absolutely. For me, yeah, you, you need to, you need yeah. to be able to throw like in, in my warmups, even to this day, I'm yeah. throwing from every single angle because the more deeper in the backhand I, I go, the more over the top I have to throw, the more to my glove side I have to go, the more ability I have to drop down. It's just mm-hmm. the, the, the physics and dynamics of throwing and momentum right so for me you gotta work on that every day so it's it's that's why i always said naturally i was able to throw nasty nasty so i still can right and uh it's just a tool you need really um uh as an infielder right to to be able to throw at every single slot and it's not necessarily saying that you're you're because for me it's it's you want to keep that i guess your your hand above your elbow you know, to at, at least as an infielder, right, where you're not getting that sink because it might be a little different with pitchers because uh, pitchers are trying to get the hitter out. I'm not trying to get my my <laughs> first baseman out. I want to throw him a good upward plane, you know, yeah. having my legs underneath it and basically uh, creating carry rather yeah. than that sink, you know, that <laughs> uh, that the pitchers want. <laughs> Well, did you ever, uh, did you hop on the mound at all? Did you ever do some pitching? Or I, Jeff, I am nasty. <laughs> yeah. I am still nasty to this day because, yeah, I, I, I was I, I was a guy, I, I could throw the, the rock a bit in high school, but I yeah. got shut down by every single coach. Um, I was like, I was probably 90 to 92 off, off the mound in high school, right? So, oh, yeah. um, and I had nasty, I, I could throw a nasty sinker and, um, I, I really shut it down. I tore my labrum in O two, and then, you know, I never really, uh, pitched, but you know, 
I still, I still occasionally get on the mound in men's league and, you know, uh, fuel oh, my ego a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just time for our ninth inning call to the bullpen. So just going to be some random questions just to learn a little bit more about you. <laughs> sure. Sure. thing. <laughs> uh, favorite NHL team. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I got to say the Leafs, uh, just because, you know, I'm a hometown leafer. You know, I'm not, uh, it's been, it's been rough over the past, you know, 15, <laughs> 20 years of being a Leafs fan, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm in the sports card arena, so I appreciate yep. hockey in general. So I, 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 I want to, you know, I like, I'm the McDavid fan. I'm a, you know, uh, just a hockey fan in general, in terms of those like a Vetchkins and the, the Crosby's of the world. Right. So, uh, in terms of team. I would say I'm not really a team team guy in in, in hockey, but I have to say the Leafs. <laughs> uh, favorite travel destination? Travel destination? Oh, man. So I've been around the world with baseball a lot. I would have to say, um, man, I think I think Europe. I really like Europe, so I'm going to say, I would say Italy. I think Italy has some really, really cool spots, especially in the the i remember we were in trieste right on the border of slovenia it's a beautiful like kind of like there's a there's a kind of like i don't know what they call it but it's 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 around a water of a body of water and it's a beautiful city uh right on the border of slovenia so places like uh pockets of italy that you know i've traveled to has been spectacular all-time favorite professional wrestler Wow, you're you're dating dating me because uh, you know I was a huge WWF fan, <laughs> yeah. right? Like the the days of Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Ultimate Warrior, you know. Uh, but I was a big, uh, I would say Legion of Doom fan. Yeah, like yeah. A, I, I was a big uh, tag team kind of. Uh, I loved it, like uh, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, <laughs> Legion of Doom, all that. So I'm gonna say Legion of Doom. Uh, favorite baseball movie of all time? Oh, this is another good one, huh? Man, uh, baseball movie of all time. I would have to say Bull Durham. Um, I think it's just such a cool time stamp. The older I get, it's even cooler because that's how life was in the minors in the eighties and nineties and yeah. a little bit in the two thousands. Right. Yeah, they did so a it's pretty like, good job. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's exactly how, but it's kind of like the stereotype, right? So yeah, it's yeah. not, it, it, it paints a good picture and I think it's going to be a classic um, uh, moving forward too, because baseball has changed. It's not the same, right? So it's a piece of history in my opinion, and it paints the the perfect picture for that. And then these next three questions are just basically like if you could take anyone dead or alive. And the first one is just to an MLB baseball game. Take them to an MLB baseball game? Yeah. Hmm. Dead or alive? Yeah, anyone. Um, man, that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> dead or alive? Dead or alive? Take, who, who do I want to take to base? I don't even... I don't even take people to baseball game. That's the problem. <laughs> I've been so scarred with baseball. I don't go to baseball games anymore. Um, I, I would say let's. Uh, I would love to. Uh, I would say Shohei Otani. I think he's he's one guy that yeah I'm kind of starstruck on. I actually we actually played against Shohei when he was pitching on. We opened up with. Uh, uh, Shohei Watani in 2012 with okay. the junior national team. We were in Seoul, Korea for the World Junior Baseball Championships. We we didn't win a single game in our pre-camp in Italy. And then we fly to Korea and the first match we have is Japan and Watani starting. The scouting report we get from him is 97 to 99 with a 91 split. <laughs> so we he was unbelievable. But the crazy thing is we actually won that game and that game in the crossover got us to the gold medal game that year. And we lost to the U S so we won a silver medal, but long story short, I've seen Shohei since he was 18 years old. Um, and I think seeing where he is today is just unbelievable. Like just, I think he is, 
he is something you'll never see in a while. But I think you're going to see more of it because of him at the yeah. same time. That's so he's uh, he's spectacular. I think he's one of my favorite uh, baseball players right now. Um, so it would be Shohei. And then the next one would be for a round of golf. Round of golf, man. So it's, it's an MLB player? Well, it could be. No, anyone, anyone dead or alive. You could take anyone for a round of golf. Anyone dead or alive. Oh, man. Um, I would have to say Tiger Woods, man. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of goats in the sport, right? Yeah. I would have to say Tiger Woods just because I think, you know, no one's going to come close to what Tiger Woods has accomplished in the game. Even he's the Muhammad Ali of, you know, boxing, right? Like he's, yeah. he's, he's done things in, in the golf game that, you know, I think is, it, it, I don't think anybody will have more of an impact in the next hundred years as Tiger Woods did in golf. So I'm going to say Tiger Woods. I'm a Tiger Woods, like golf uh, collector too, like in sports cards. So nice. for me, he's, he's another favorite. So I'm going to stick with kind of like my, my favorites in, in, in their respective sports. And then the last one would be, you know, just to the bar for a round of drinks. <laughs> It'd be Jeff Freeborn. What? Okay. <laughs> Catch up with an old buddy, right? Absolutely, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, for a drink, um, it would have to be for a drink. I would say someone I would have to just, uh, you know, maybe like a, a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan, just mm-hmm. someone that has the mental mental fortitude, the mentality that is just unmatched in anything so it could be tiger woods in that category too but uh, i think he'd be a little more boring i'd say uh probably kobe bryant or michael jordan man i'd I'd say kobe bryant you know i'm I'm a big kobe fan and uh i think he has such a cool personality just kind of lay low not driven by emotion you know um and just you could have really good conversations with him in terms of you know winning and you know uh just winning in life in general so Whenever there's a drink involved, it has to be outside of baseball and in life. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm down with Kobe. <laughs> and if you could be an Olympian in any sport, summer or winter, other than baseball, what sport would you like to try? Olympian. Um, man, these are some tough questions. Um, I mean, it's the asked. bullpen. You got, it's called yeah, bullpen. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's, that's good stuff. Um, <laughs> Where are my Olympic sports? What do I watch? Um, I think, I think, I think most people would, I think uh, like the 200 meter or 100 meter is one of the most uh, sought after, at least where I grew up from, right? So yeah. I'm going to say the one or 200 meter sprint. Um, I, I think it's a cool event, especially growing up in the whole Donovan. Bailey and uh uh who was it um Ben Johnson <laughs> no not not after Ben Johnson it was it was the U.S. guy um but the the Donovan Bailey faced him in the 150 at the sky it was like such a big oh, event. oh Michael Michael Johnson it was a Michael Johnson yeah, <laughs> yeah. On Team USA right and then he pulled yeah. lame he pulled a hammy because yeah. he was losing so, so I would say uh, the hundred or two hundred I, I I grew up watching it you know that was the Olympics to me was 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 either four by one, hundred meters, two hundred, or four hundred. So I'm going to stick with the the two hundred or a hundred. Nice. And then lastly, here, just you know, like kind of test your teammates here. Like on that 2004 season, you kind of split between Inland Empire and Wisconsin. Um, yeah. can, can you name the outfielder that was from? You know, he's played on the Dutch national team, and he kind of played on both of those teams with you. And he still launches baseballs. Oh, it's Vladimir Ballantine. <laughs> has to be. Yeah, absolutely. Was it Valentin? Man, that guy, yeah. that guy rig. Is he he's he's still launching, right? He he he's holds st- I think like he's still record, in Mexico right? playing at like 39. <laughs> he, he holds some record, I think, uh internationally uh as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Vladimir Valentin. That guy, yeah. that guy raked. He was uh <laughs> he was from Curacao. Yeah. I remember him, I was with him, Adam Jones, Felix Hernandez, Shinsu Chu, um, yeah, Zrubo Cabrera all those guys um, coming up. So yeah, he, he was, he was a stud that 2014 was good. I think, uh, 
I think uh, 04 team, we had Felix on that team too in, in Inland Empire. Felix nice. Fernandez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I played against uh, Vladimir, I guess, like he was on the Dutch national team, right? When I was on the British national team. And okay. like, very impressed. Yeah, you could just like, yeah, just Launch. impressive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, a, like a 60, 60, 60, 65 power, I'd say, <laughs> or maybe 70 yeah, on the, on the MLB scale. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you coming on, man. Is there any shout outs before we sign off? Um, shout outs, uh, no, but I could put in my plug. Go check out otubaseball.com and our YouTube uh, 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 launch, the behind the scenes. I think it's a really valuable uh, episode. If if you're looking at uh, just uh, business in general, you know, I'm I'm basically filming everything, how I created this curriculum, how I'm going to market, how I'm going to sell it. Uh, so it's a it's a really cool series. So please check that out. Um, yeah, and uh, I appreciate your time, Jeff. You know, it's been a while, and you know we've been uh, teammates over twenty something years ago. So it's cool <laughs> to reconnect and see what you're doing with uh, with with your uh, community and networks. And yeah, I I'm, I'm a supporter of what you're doing. So so keep doing your thing. She said, "Come from a land down under." Where women glow and men thunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder, yeah You better run, you better take cover, yeah You better run, you better take cover